Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Horror Business Podcast with your host, The Catholic. Hello again. It's been a while. I know I said last semester that that show, Hybrid Moments, would be my final show, be my final season. But alas, fate has brought us back together because I had to take a radio class. And uh, since, again, we're living in wonderful times of a of a global pandemic, one in which the American people just some of them just really don't want to I guess they just don't want this pandemic to end because people still want to go out and just do dumb stuff. So we're still here. We still have to do this, you know, at home away from the studio uh, thankfully, at the time of this recording, there is vaccines. There's, you know, by Pfizer. Um, I think Johnson Johnson's releasing one. Um, I forgot the other one. Oh, golly. Oh, golly. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the other one. I, I know it starts with an M. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, yes. I think the world is starting to look up a little bit. You know, we. I guess there is a light at the end of the tunnel that... We're going to make it out. We're going to we're going to be okay. I think so. I hope so. We might be okay. Might. Okay. So, yeah, uh we still have to do this at home. Uh usually the projects are done with um like a group. Like you have to have a group and uh you come up with a show and you all produce it. Well, unfortunately, that's that can't happen. So um, we have to do it at, you know, here at home um, this semester. I know for the past couple semesters, my show was mostly just, you know, it was all about shooting the stuff. It was all about having fun and just talking about random stuff. And yeah, um, I think this time around, I just want to um, I want to try to somewhat be more coherent and be. You know, I want to have a singular topic. Oh, I just I just hit the tripod. My bad. Um, I want to have a singular topic, and I want to, uh, you know, I I I just want to to be more professional. I I suppose. I'm very bad at speaking, and that's what's hard. And I think that's what I just mostly want to to work on this semester. Is that I know I'm bad at speaking, and I know that this is going to be bad for most of the semester. But I think that's okay, because I might get better. I might. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. And I'm going to fine tune it. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about what I like to talk about best. What I like to talk about best is horror movies. I love horror movies. I have loved them for now. Now a decade? Yes, I I do believe it's been a decade since uh, I got into horror movies. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Or has it been 11 years? It's either been a decade or 11 years since I was into horror movies. Um, Oh, man. Yeah. How long has it been? I don't remember. Oh, that sucks. No, it's been 11 years since I've been into horror movies because I do have a story about it. So I've hated I hated horror movies. So, okay. Let me rephrase that. 
when I was little. The first horror movie I ever saw was uh, the 2005 or 2004 remake of The Grudge. Uh, yeah, that one had like, what's her name was in it? Sarah Michelle Gellar, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I, I think I watched it with my brothers be, just because she was in it. And I used to watch a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer before I went to school in the mornings. Um, a lot of Buffy, a lot of Angel. Loved those shows. Um, but I watched it because she was in it. And that was a mistake because it, it scared the life out of me. And I was very disinterested in, in watching another horror movie ever again. Like the idea of, of scary movies petrified me. I know I saw, uh, I, I didn't see the first Jaws movie for a long time. I saw Jaws 2 before I saw Jaws 1. And that petrified me from wanting to go into pools. So, yeah, I I was definitely that that was when I was, I believe, six or seven. So that I definitely was kind of I was done with horror movies. Until uh, I, I until I myself was thrusted into a horror of my own. Um, I believe I was in the fourth grade. I had a really terrible stomach ache one morning and I was just I, I don't know what happened, but I was like on the toilet for like over an hour it was awful i i i couldn't go to school because it just you know it just kept happening i think i had a stomach bug or something because i was it was bad so i had to stay home i was home alone and i kind of i just like flipped on uh i just flipped on the tv and uh in the mornings i get they would uh they would show a beyblade uh, specifically the, the Metal Fusion series, which, um, I was really into. I like the original Beyblade a little more though, but, um, yeah, they had that and I was watching that and then it ended and then they started giving other like kitty shows that I wasn't into at that time. So then I just switched it and, uh, I landed on the sci-fi channel and on sci-fi channel, they had, um, they were playing, what was that movie? Oh, yeah, Haunting in Connecticut. Uh, and I I started it kind of, it was, I, I think it was like a little bit past the beginning is when I started watching it. So I, I got the whole crux, like the beginning of all the, the spooky stuff that was happening. And I just thought that the movie was really dumb. I, I didn't think it was scary at all. I thought it was just boring. And so I was like, oh, okay, maybe scary movies aren't that bad. And so they played another movie after that, and that was the the remake of 13 Ghosts, the one with Matthew Lillard. And <laughs> I thought that movie was even worse. No, actually, it wasn't even worse. It was funnier than Haunting in Connecticut. Like, there, were, I had some entertainment value out of 13 Ghosts. Um, but I just didn't think it was scary at all. I just thought it was just funny and goofy. Um, so, I kind of, from there, kind of went down a rabbit hole of, like, finding funny, scary movies. And, you know, of course, you find Shaun of the Dead. You find, um, uh, I, I know Zombieland had just came out. Uh, yeah, you, you just find so many different uh, movies. 
And, you know, oh, yeah, I found the Evil Dead series, and that was perfect for me. Uh, so I, I went down a huge rabbit hole, and ever since then, I, I've been obsessed with horror movies. I've been obsessed at the at how how many careers can just be started from just doing, like, one scary movie. You know, of course, you had, like, Bob Clark who made um, Black Christmas, and then you go on to make, you know, A Christmas Story uh, I think Porky's, uh, and a bunch of other like comedy classics. And then you have, um, you know, Sam Raimi, of course he made Evil Dead and then he made Spider-Man and then Oz the Great and Powerful and a bunch of other, oh, the quick and the dead, you know, he, he branched off to do a bunch of different stuff. Um, and it, it's happened for a lot of directors where it's, you start off with a low budget horror movie and then people can the Hollywood producers will see like how well you can handle a tiny budget and make and and if you do it very well, because that's what's really hard is you need pure finesse, pure finesse to make a good low budget horror movie, because you can either go one of two ways, either do it really scary and very reserved, or make it really cheesy and really funny. But don't teeter on the line of it being actually bad. You got to teeter on the line of it being so bad, it's good. And that's what I've always been into. Um, so, uh, to, well, for my entire show, I'm going to be talking about uh, basically unsung heroes of horror. I'm going to talk about movies that, you know, I think more people should check out. More people should, uh, should ponder uh, a rental, possibly. Um, every once in a while, I'll tell someone to like buy a movie, but um, yeah, no, th- this is definitely probably worth just a rental for now because it is a bit of a niche genre. Um, yes, I'll be for my first movie, my first unsung hero of horror, especially over here in the U.S. I will be talking about Perfect Blue by Satoshi Kon. Uh, but for right now, I'm going to go on a music break. And yes, we have music breaks now because I have figured out things. Um, but yes, for our first song, I will be playing Human Fly by The Cramps off their album, Off the Bone. Rock. 
And that was Human Fly from the album Off the Bone by The Cramps. Alright, so we're going to be talking about a movie, a little movie called uh, Perfect Blue. It's a Japanese animated film by director Satoshi Kon. It was from the year 1997 and based off of a book of the same name uh, from the year 1991. Now, the book and the movie... I'll say a little different. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just say it's, it's pretty different. Um, I will say that the book and the film are kind of, they're different in the same way of like um, Stephen King's The Shining and it, Stephen King's The Shining and Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, one is a good book. One is just a good movie. They, they, it had to be two separate things for it all to work. And, uh, yeah, Perfect Blue, the movie, is, is perfect as is, honestly. And, uh, it's a psychological thriller. It's about a young woman named, uh, Mima, uh, Kirigo. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name or possibly first name. Uh, I just know that, like, Names are switched up in, I think, Eastern culture. But anyway, yes, uh, Mima, uh, she is a, uh, she's an idol. And uh, over in the East, that's um, basically, you know, like a pop star. And um, idols over there are held, I think, to a higher standard than, like, pop stars over here in the West. Um an extremely high standard um, that they they talk about in this movie. Uh, she decides to Mima decides to take a a career change and become an actress. And a lot of her fan base, at least not a lot of her fan base, a, a small but very vocal portion of her fan base does not like that decision, and they also really don't like the um, the roles she's choosing. Or she has to be in in the movie she wants to be in. Um, yeah, that stuff gets really dark. Um, even though it's it's all acting and it's all kind of one thing. It it's it just um, nah. You know, never mind. Let me just keep on going. Uh, yeah, she makes this career change. A small but very vocal part of her fan base just really doesn't like it, and she starts getting stalked. Like hardcore stalked and murders start happening around her. Not like you know that she can see, but it's just like people in her inner circle are being brutally murdered. Um, yeah, it's it's really 
dark. There is a very, there is a very kind of scary scene. Cause I wouldn't say the the movie is. It's not jump scary. It's not in your face. There is one scene that's like in your face scary, and that's with um the stalker and a guy in a parking lot. That part is actually pretty like terrifying. Um, but I I will say. A lot of the horror uh, of this movie, I don't think it was as bad back then as it is now. Now I say that because a very vital import, a very vital important part of this movie, especially to the plot, is the usage of the internet. Uh, now Mima being a uh, big celebrity personality, uh, she has like fan websites and fan websites that she tends to go on to like hear feedback from people and the feedback she's getting it's not very nice feedback and it starts to get to her mentally now that is a very very um common uh common thing over here in the the west uh, i do think uh, with the rise of like of course the internet with the rise of like um uh you know um social media influencers you know youtubers and uh you know instagram twitter all that all that fun stuff i do think that there's um a price to pay with fame that i think um i i think people tend to uh they they do acknowledge but i think it is a very big like afterthought and you don't exactly you, you don't know how to handle it till you you're in it basically um it's a very very scary place to be on the internet and i do think that's kind of just one of the things satoshi kon just wanted to talk about the director and the director satoshi kon this 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 man went on topics that were i think too ahead of their time and i think some people took it as, um, you know, you could easily have a director that would be like ahead of their time and people not like the movie when it comes out, like a John Carpenter. Like people weren't ready for the thing and people didn't like it. People, you know, weren't like into it. They, they said, oh, this movie's awful. It's terrible. But then now it's a horror. It, it's a classic. Like It's a legit classic movie. It's not like a niche thing. It's like. It's one of the best movies ever made. You could definitely have that. But Satoshi Kon, his movies, everyone loved them. Well, I, I don't know about Perfect Blue yet. Actually, that's going to be one of my main topics is audience reaction. Um, but for most of his career, people love it. Like, you know, you'll have like a... Uh, what was that movie? Uh, Millennium Actress, which I do believe is the one that Inception kind of ripped off. Or was that Paprika? It was either Inception or Paprika, one of his other movies, that the movie Inception ripped off. Um, for Perfect Blue, um, the movie Black Swan that came out, I want to see either 2010, maybe 2009, or uh, or even 2011. One of those three years. It was that movie uh, Black Swan with Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. Um, and I think it was directed by Aaron, Darren Aronofsky. Um, unless that was the other movie I was talking about, I was going to talk about, 
anyway, um, yeah, Black Swan. It's that movie is essentially a westernized American retelling of Perfect Blue. Um, that's just instead of being in a singer to an actress, it's just being a ballerina in a really really weird, you know, ballerina play thing. I don't know what I don't know what those called recitals. I don't know what that's called. Anyway, um, yeah. It's had influence on a movie like that. Um, it's had influence on uh, the movie. Uh, uh, what was it? The heroin one. Requiem for a Dream. Uh, they base they recreate like uh, an entire kind of sequence, like shot for shot, like a bathtub scene that they do, is ripped directly from a Perfect Blue. Um, and yeah, a lot of his other movies have just been like ahead of their time. I mean, Tokyo Godfather is, uh, dealt with, um, a, uh, like transsexuality for a small portion of it that I don't think people were exactly ready for at the, at the time that movie came out. Um, and yeah, I'm a millennium actress. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the one that dealt with like weird dream stuff, like entering into people's dreams and like weird inception stuff. Um, that came out like way before Inception. Um, was it there was a uh, that uh that that show he made Paranoia Agent. That show was insane. Like it's still one of the the creepiest shows out there. Um, and uh, what was it? Paprika. Oh, I mean Paprika. I think that that one's. Uh, not ahead of its time. It's it's just a very dark and true, like really re- really um. Uh, it's one of those dark truth movies. I, I guess you'd call it. It's 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 another scary one that I could probably talk about, but it's not full on horror. It's just more like, oh, uh, domestic violence stuff, scary. Um. So I'm not gonna talk about that too much. Uh, but yeah, Satoshi Kon is um. Just a very, a very ahead of his time director. Uh, he did pass away, unfortunately. So I'm pretty sure, Paprika. Oh, Paprika was, I think, the last movie he made before he passed away. That's really dark. Oof. I don't know. Anyway, I'm a little mixed up right now. Uh yeah. It's uh, it's late. It's late, and I'm recording this. Um. Yeah, I, I've I've had to record this like, I think this is my fourth time recording this. It's been rough. I don't know. Like, I've I've been ugh, yuck. Anyway, back on topic. Um, yeah, Satoshi Kon passed away two thousand ten. It's pretty rough. Um, he he left behind a pretty small body of work. Uh, and I I I think it's enough. Like it, it, it's an easy amount of movies to like officially collect, but it's it's just sad in the way that you just wish you had more. Um, but what 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 you know what he did leave behind was all it was all classics. It's all movies that I I don't think any of his movies are bad. I don't think that I don't think there could be anybody that doesn't like these movies. Now maybe maybe um. Uh, Perfect Blue, I could see some people not liking because it is a very, um, 
it, it, it is a very oddball movie. And I'll, I'll get into that because I think it was forced to be oddball. But first, I'm going to take a music break to collect my thoughts and to get back in a groove. And I'll be playing Hybrid Moments by The Misfits off the album Static Age. was hybrid moments by the misfits um yeah great song always love that song um it's very short very 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 short and simple and uh speaking of simple the reason why i want to talk a little more about uh the reason why i do think some people won't like it is it is a very low budget movie uh, it's very low budget animation the movie in 1997, and I translated this to USD instead of yen because, you know, I'm saying most Americans over here don't know what, you know, yen, you know, the, the amount of yen is. Uh, I, I know I don't. I had to translate it, but um, it was made for um, in USD. Um, oof, God, $830,000. Now let's compare that to a, another move animated movie that came out in 1997 over here in the West, uh, Hercules, Disney's Hercules, which was made for $85 million. Now, let's just say that's a big difference. That's like comparing an elephant to a toy elephant, you know? it's This is very... Very different. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, very low budget. I mean, you had to not just, you know, pay, you know, of course, the director, the, you know, you had to pay the director, you have to pay the staffers, everyone that's drawing this movie by hand, because this is before the integration of CGI into animation. 
I mean, it, uh, like, everything from, like, the moving cars to people's hair to everything just had to be done painstakingly, frame by frame, done by hand, you know? Like, like what they do over in Studio Ghibli, except not as big of a, of a budget, um, so, yeah, Studio Madhouse was kind of just beginning around this time. They were just starting to, like, get off their feet and uh, start producing, like, true classics. So they still had a lot to prove, but they had to start off from the bottom. And that's also where, you know, Satoshi, that's, that's where he started. He started from the pure, just the rock bottom, uh, a lot of sleepless nights, of just getting everything done, of writing, of of um, of making sure every frame, every detail is as perfect as it can be. And I do think that's where a lot of the creativity of of the um, of the psychological scenes, because it's a very dreamlike movie. It, it's not scary. Uh, like I said before, with jump scares, it's psychologically. It'll psychologically terrify you. Um, it it's very uh, yeah yeah. It it it's creative and it scares because it just wants to go balls to the wall weird, especially by the third act. The third act for all of his movies are always all out banana crazy. Uh, it's always involving a chase that's just going a million different directions that you don't expect, that you just keep screaming, you know, expletives, like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it it's, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And one of those things, like most horror movies, where... You have to be creative with what you have. And that also blends into what's going on now. What I'm doing right here is I'm trying to do my best with what I have. Now, the thing is, I could always do better. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do better next episode. I will. I will. Um, but I, I think it is, uh, it's an important lesson for, I think, college students uh, my age or of my generation is that I think we've grown up with a slight, um, with, with an addiction towards, you know, internet fame and, uh, uh, the, 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 the wanting of money. But I do think eventually we will have to hit a reality of, oh, internet fame does suck. But you you gotta you gotta try to if you really want to strive towards it if you really want to go for something big you gotta start with sometimes nothing and you gotta you just gotta you gotta make something you gotta make origami out of a dollar bill and then throw it at somebody and maybe they'll just call it art and and you'll become famous off that but um yeah I I think. Horror movies can have like a a small cool little message like that. Um. So yeah, uh. Yeah, that I mean, I th I think for right now. Uh, I could go on another music break, possibly. You know, no, no, I'm not gonna go on a music break. 
right now, right now, I'm going to talk a little about about the audience reception. The audience reception for this. Uh, ta ta Wrong thing. Oh yeah. All right. So it was uh, shown in uh, 1997 at um, the Fantasia. Film Festival in Montreal. Uh, it was also shown in a uh, film festival in Portugal, and uh, ta, 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 ta. and I think even back then people had good taste because it was positively positively received. Uh, I do believe it did not. Oh yeah, it definitely did not do well in the American box office because. Yeah, I, 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 I do think um the '90s was still a time for um. For films to be, well, animation, you know, still being considered for children, and uh, people not really being willing to watch a cartoon from Japan, um, unless you're you know just a weird nerd. Um, now it's cool to watch anime. Everyone watches anime. Uh, even Bill Burr, the comedian, he watches anime. Um, so at, at least one anime that I know of, um, One Punch Man. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's kind of like, no wonder. Um, I, I do believe, um, as the years have gone on, it is, I think on a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, um, publications, it's uh, like in the list of like greatest, um, Japanese animated films. Uh, it's at least in the top five. Uh, some people put it in the top ten. Um, and it does have that almost, you know, just really good score of, uh, what is it? Uh, I think a lot of people would give it like a seven out of ten. Um, you know, you have those other people that give it like the ten out of tens. And I, I, I do think it, it is above and beyond, well above average. It is a really cool movie, and I deeply appreciate it. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it uh, when uh, I, I, you know, I, I will now go on a music break. Now that I, I've padded out a little more time for myself. And what song shall I play today? I think um, I have a couple more slots for songs. I got to check my time, but. Um, I was thinking about just doing solely like spooky songs, but sometimes you can get tired of spooky songs. So, you know, I I would like, as I am talking about unsung heroes of horror, let me talk about unsung heroes of music. Um, I, I mostly, of course, just like punk rock and stuff. Um, there, there's some hip hop that's really cool, but I do like the more bodacious hip hop that's very inappropriate. So I can't play that. Okay, so um, I'm gonna play uh, ta ta, perfect. Um, a new band out of California, by new I mean they're about five years old now, and I'll be playing uh, Destroy Boys. Uh, I do believe uh, Honey I'm Home. So yeah, Honey I'm Home by Destroy Boys. Um, it's just a single. There's no album. So yeah, hope you enjoy. They're a good band. I open bars on my window to reveal the morning sun 
And that was uh, Destroy Boys, uh, Honey, I'm Home. Um, yeah, no, good band. I always, I, I really like them. I'm glad my buddy told me to listen to them uh, a while ago. It sucks that there's like a a global pandemic because, oh, God, I, w- I would have loved to have seen them live. Um, th- yeah, thankfully, they're still together. Thankfully, they're still going to uh, come out with new music. Uh, I know um, their song Ducky Duck World. Good song. I'll probably eventually play that. I know that that came out on a they put that on a, one of the, t- uh, the the newest Tony Hawk game that came out. Um, Pro Skater 3 or 2. I don't know. One of the Pro Skater games. Uh, I, I still think it's funny how that's kind of just like a big thing if like your song pops up on a Tony Hawk game. I, it sounds so 2000s to me. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk a little more about uh, like reviews and reception. Um, so it did receive on Rotten Tomatoes a uh, 80%. Uh, the viewer score is at 89%. So <laughs> some critics just don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, IMDb has an 8 out of 10. And um, myanimelist.com, pretty pretty viable source. Um, a lot of good forms. Um, is at a 8.5% out of 10. So all across the board, well above average, very good. Um, could be better, could be, you know, uh, uh, a lot different. But again, this is a directorial debut for somebody. This is, you know, something that's, you know, something that was extremely low budget. So it's bound to just not be as perfect as it could be, you know. Perfect Blue isn't perfect. Um, it's relatively short. It's an hour and 30 minutes. I, I Really cool. Um, I suppose, uh, I will talk about kind of my connection to it. So, uh, I, uh, for a long time, um, I, I think from when I was a little kid all the way up until I was 11, I was really into anime. There was, um, a channel I had, uh, at the time, at the time it was Verizon. Now it's Frontier. Ugh. Um, so I had for a long time this channel called the Funimation channel. And Funimation was a dubbing company. They would take uh uh you know animes from Japan and they would translate the words into English. Uh, eventually they, you know, got popular enough that they made an entire channel devoted to it. Uh so hey uh yeah, I was obsessed with that channel. That was kind of like if there wasn't Cartoon Network on, um, I would just watch uh Funimation. And uh, yeah, I was really into like everything from like you know you had your Black Butlers, your Soul Leaders, uh, Oran High School Host Club. Um, there was other shows I wasn't really allowed to watch like Basilisk or like Claymore. Um, although I really wanted to watch them. I can watch them now, but I still haven't. Those are still shows I haven't even tried to watch. I don't know why. Um, maybe just because it's not exciting anymore, you know. You know, when you're not supposed to watch something, but then you secretly go ahead and you do it, and you're like, hee hee hee, I'm, huh, I'm a rebel. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, uh, I was really into it for a, a long time. Then I just dropped out of watching um, anime, because then I got into middle school, and I was like, anime's not cool, it's for nerds, it's for losers, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cool kid, uh, I was never a cool kid, um, 
I was, I was, yeah. Yeah, middle school was a dark, bad time for life. And then it, it also continued all the way through high school. Hated anime. Hated everything. Hated the fan people. They all annoyed me. Um, and then I became a group with uh, a bunch of just like the weird kids under the stairs. You, you, you know those kids, right? Like, I think every high school has that one weird group of kids that hung out under the stairs. <laughs> Although there was two different factions of kids that hung out under stairs. There was the really, really weird kids. And then there was the kind of cool kids that, you know, uh, did drugs and stuff. Um, I didn't do any drugs. I just hung out with the kids that did the drugs because um, they were really stupid. Uh, but amongst those fools, uh, I met my partner. Um, they are not a fool. Um, previously, or, uh, well, I mean, they go by, um, they, she pronouns. Um, yes, I, I, I met my, my lovely partner, uh, who was not a fool, who was a very, very smart, awesome individual that, um, I, I still love to this day. And thankfully, thankfully we're still together. I don't know why they're still with me They're They're too good. They're too, they're too fantastic for this world. Anyway, um, and it was my partner that, you know, told me that, you know, I should really get back into anime that, you know, I, I think a way for them uh, to like, have, like hit on me or um, kind of like flirtatious stuff uh, before I even noticed it. I was just, oh, you should you should come to this club, you know, meeting, you know, it's going to be you know kind of cool. Maybe uh, it's going to be really lame. We can make fun of people. And so I went and I had a good time because I, I bumped into a bunch of people that I didn't know were into like anime they just scream, welcome to the rice fields. And I'm like, oh, that's that's dark. That's kind of, is that offensive? I don't know what that is. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting culture for sure. Uh, filled with a lot of really weird, edgy people that, you know, you, you kind of want to punch in the face because they're just annoying. But um, I decided, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I checked out... Um, this uh, show called you know Devil Man Cry Baby, loved it. Got back into anime, and I started to you know try out uh, movies, because uh, I haven't watched an anime movie uh, other than like a Dragon Ball Z. I was still into Dragon Ball Z always because I always liked it, um, especially dra- the original Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball is just cute to me. I love that show. Um, and amongst those first movies was Perfect Blue, and. I had absolutely no way of watching it. You couldn't find it on streaming. Um, I think you could have rented it on on YouTube for a dollar ninety nine, but I didn't have a, a a credit card at the time. And uh, mi madre was like, "No, I'm not gonna spend two dollars on on that." No. Um, so I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'll just you know chill. I'll relax." Uh, and then I forgot about the movie. And then came um, when I got into collecting movies because then I started able to have, you know, a little bit of money because uh, student loan refunds, they happen. And I decided to set aside a little money for a fun time instead of saving it. And uh, I believe it was 20, 20, no, 2019, a year after I got into anime, a year after I fig- found out about Perfect Blue, um, is that... Um, I found out that uh, G-Kids, a subsidiary of Shout Factory, one of 
one of the gods of horror restoration and and other media like comedy restorations they they do really good like 4k transfers and stuff they're not as good as like an arrow video but they're like they they they're good enough they 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 definitely do those good little niches of 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 movies and they uh did a restoration of perfect blue uh and as soon as i found out about it oh i pre-ordered that you know, I, I, I think it was like 22 bucks that, yeah, that I put that down and I got it. Uh, I was a little, it was shocked cause it was the first time I ordered a movie from the internet and it came with like a slip cover and it was all like pristine. It was nice. It was wrapped. Oh, I watched it the same day. And, uh, yeah, that, that movie like blew my mind. Like, just everything about it. like i said the score um the dreaded feeling of just of of the stalker character cuz they they make that stalker character ugly like they make that that character just terrifying and then of course that last that those last like 10 minutes you you just don't understand what's going on the whole movie you don't understand what's going on i still like Every time I watch the movie, you, it's very versatile in that sense that you can kind of look into it and pull out whatever you want out of it. Um, it's very it's it it is a movie solely on on the brain. It is solely reliant on on psychological stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool in that sense. Always check it out. Just ch- ch- check it out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's been my connection with it. Um I know I went on a huge weird story about that anime stuff. Um I I don't know if it was TMI, but yeah. Yeah. I always really like it. Anyway, um yeah. Uh I'm going to start doing at the end of every episode We'll be doing uh, small little recommendations. I've decided uh, because not everybody can just, you know, go out and just spend money on a Blu-ray. And that's perfectly understandable. Like, sometimes, you know, physical media, it's nice to have it. I always appreciate physical media more. But sometimes I understand that you live in a small apartment. You're not going to have, you know, the, the, the space and time to have the patience for you know, having an entire collection and all that stuff. So a lot of people, especially in today's times, they just solely rely on streaming. And I'd like to talk about the movies that are on kind of four platforms only. Uh, I'll be talking about Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and um, uh, HBO Max, because I really prefer HBO Max. Disney Plus, whatever. It's good. Everybody knows what that, you know, everybody knows. But there are some little hidden gems everywhere every once in a while. Um, all right, so uh, for Netflix, I will be recommending um, Hush. Um, yeah, this movie is uh, really, really fantastic. It's one of those low-budget horror movies that does everything right because it's very, very reserved. Uh, it's about just uh, um, a young woman who's a writer. Uh, she lives alone in the woods, um, which I, I don't understand why. Um, but yeah, she lives in the woods. Uh, she's deaf, uh, and she has a pretty 
pretty solid house. Like, it, thick windows, you know, thick, thick everything. Like, it, it, it's a secure house. But um, some crazy mask guy decides, oh, I want to try to break in there and just kill that woman. No motivation, no nothing. It's just a deaf woman versus a home invader. And it's fantastic. It's it's one of the most intense, exciting, thrilling movies I've seen in a while. And it's, the whole movie stars maybe four people. And that's it. Uh, on Hulu, there is uh, Run. And that is with uh, Sarah Paulson. I loved this movie. Again, it's a simple uh, premise. Um, or I guess maybe it is simple for some people. I don't know. Um, but um, yes, it's about a, a young girl, uh, her and her mother just traveling around. Uh, she's uh, the young girl's paralyzed. And the mom's kind of like caretaking for her. But then the daughter starts realizing some funny, weird stuff about the mom. And things may not be what they seem. And it just it just gets creepy from there. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Hush and Run so far. They're both, for me, uh, four and a five, 4.5s out of 5s. They're fantastic. Um, the On Amazon Prime, you have The Vast of Night. Now, this movie uh, hit really well in the festival circuits. It's a period piece. It's a throwback to old atomic age, like 1950s or 1960s uh, sci-fi horror movies. Uh, really fun, really exciting. Um, yeah, um, I, that's all I'm going to say about it because the plot is, it, it's just fun to watch out. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. Uh, on HBO Max, HBO Max has a lot. I didn't know what to choose. There, there was two too much um so i just decided to go with something not so much too scary and i decided to go with something that's a little bit um uh tangent a little more sci-fi ish and that is scanners by david cronenberg and david cronenberg's definitely known in the horror circle for making some of the most vile and gross uh like creature effects uh creature effect movies he didn't personally do the creature effects, but he has very uh, brutal movies, especially for early in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I mean, he did the remake of The Fly with, uh, what's his face, um, Jeff Goldblum. Ugh, terrifying. That, that movie's just gross. Um, but yeah, uh, those are pretty much my recommendations. And uh, yeah, that's been pretty much the show. That's been the horror business. Um, next episode will definitely be better. I'll definitely type up a more cohesive script. Um, so this was, this was definitely a trial run. This was me trying to be professional. It definitely failed. But the best place to start ever is rock bottom. Because the only place up... Wait a second. See where I'm going here. See how late it is. I messed up my whole speech. I said it's only good... The best place to start is rock bottom because <laughs> the only place from bottom is going up. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to the Horror Business Podcast. I've been your host, The Catholic. Uh, tune in next week because uh, we'll be talking about another horror movie. I do believe next week I will be talking about Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. That movie is really bonkers. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to do a more deep dive because I want to know a lot more about that movie. That movie's crazy. I love it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful night. Um, you know, just just know with this pandemic stuff and if you're in quarantine, just know, hey, you're not alone. A lot of people out there, you know, check out the internet, check out forums, you know, find a way to talk to people. Talking to people really helps. And, you know, don't, don't keep stuff bottled. You're always loved. You'll always be valid in, in some form or another so thank you so much